Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly. You can give us a call right now, though, if you have questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, concerns, or whatever it happens to be. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes. uh, Did you cover any of your plant materials? Did not. Uh, I think they're okay. Yeah, I was. People were in a panic, I guess, or only a few people. Mm-hmm. But when I was walking through the neighborhood, a few people had blankets out over their. Oh, home. really? Yeah. Uh, when do you have to do that? How cold does it have to get? It's got to probably mid twenties, and okay. then to me, if you've planted and they're coming up, if they don't survive, then just get some new ones. <laughs> <laughs> the lazy way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. No, now some of the uh no, it, it's looking good. Some of the pansies look like they may got roughed up a little bit, the right. ones that survived the winter, but they look beautiful right now. Oh right. my goodness. And uh no, we didn't cover anything and I haven't gone out and really inspected it. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do that later today. Right. But uh, I don't think there's any problem out yeah. there. I think people got into a little bit of a panic and Yeah. I mean, this one guy, he put a blanket out, and it was like his blanket scared me. It was some kind of horror <laughs> Halloween-type thing. Was it an electric blanket? I, I Could have been, but yeah. I don't think that, Now, there's the idea. <laughs> a bunch of electric blankets out in your yard. Yes. You wonder why my bill is so high. I could use one in here. <laughs> yeah, you got your winter coat on. Yeah, my temperature. We got a temperature-taking machine here now, you know. My temperature has dropped a degree since I've been here this morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you look so cool. (laughs) I am cool. Cool as a cat. Right. Okay, folks, it is Saturday morning, and we can get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. Whether your houseplants, uh, now, if you had put those out, they could have been a little bit damaged by this cold But uh, for the most part, everything should be just fine. And uh, maybe you should think about making some potting mix. No, don't make it. Just buy it. And how to improve your soil by adding materials to it. And uh, should you be checking your plant material for bugs or diseases? The information I'm going to share with you uh, hopefully will help you orchestrate and solidify your options. But the final judgment always is going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me over so we can discuss what's going on in your outdoors. 
Now, they're very important players. Alex, he's producing. He answers the phone as well as pushes all the buttons. So when you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't hit the cough button. I just That wasn't a real cough, though. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting a Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to, a walk and talk. Go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Then it's got my phone number and email address. You can reach me, and we'll get things together. Today after the show, I'm headed to Creevecore, and then after Creevecore, down to Glendale. So, uh, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This has been one of the best springs that I can remember. And maybe every year you just, you know, you think the same thing, that this was the best one. But, I mean, with the magnolias and everything, it's just there. I mean, the cool and the hot and the warmer and everything else, the combinations made everything just really fantastic. So I thought, how about the Daffodil Epicenter? And where would that be? Well, that's where Van Venner becomes Southwest. And also Shenandoah runs into there, too, and Kings Highway. Wow, what an intersection. This is where Brightside St. Louis is. And they've got the Demonstration Garden and the Cornelson Conservation Corner. And when I stepped out of my car, I was greeted by a robin. And uh, there's a mural on the wall that has a downtown uh, skyline and the arch and daffodils painted on the mural. And uh, red buds were blooming all along Shenandoah. They were really nice. Various varieties of daffodils and tulips. The neat thing is about uh, Brightside St. Louis is they sell daffodils every year and they sell tulips as well. I get a couple hundred bulbs from them each year. And uh, what I do is I kind of treat them as annuals. I just, you know, I grow them in pots and everything else. And then at the when they finish blooming, I let them, the foliage turn brown. And then I just dig them up. And then I just kind of give them away to people. So that's, the, and then every year I just get some more. So it's just great fun. But anyway, I, there was a sign there that explains under your feet, and structural soil as well. And I stepped underneath this giant monarch butterfly sign. And uh, bald cypress, hmm, bald cypress are not showing any kind of new growth yet, but who cares? It's all part of a rain garden that's there. And there's a stream cascading down. The lawn has boulder highlights. There's several areas of wildflowers and perennials. Some of them are starting to show off. And the background of the evergreens, really makes a nice setting just kind of in general. Part of the walkway is dedicated by all the people or has dedication stones, I guess, carved etched stones as part of the walkway for all the people that made this whole thing possible, this Operation Brightside Demonstration Garden. The Prairie Garden area says, brr, it's still too cold for me to do anything. And the Glade Garden says pretty much the same thing. There's a butterfly garden and a pavilion right there, and things are just starting to wake up, and also a solitary bee house. Rain collection barrels, uh, it's just it's a fun place. You can wander around and spend a heck of a lot of time, even early in the season, let alone later on in the day or <laughs> later on in the season when the whole place is exploding. So if you want to stop by, now, they don't want anybody coming inside, so if you want to contact them, you have to give them a, you know, a phone call. That's the best way to do it. 
But uh, it's unfortunate with this COVID because they used to really have a neat inside and they were more than welcoming. But this has kind of made it so with many places, they're just not able to have people coming in. But you can contact them and uh, you'll be happy that you went by and saw their demonstration garden, too. So, again, it's where Van Venter becomes Southwest right at Kings Highway in Shenandoah. Uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Weeds are optimistic and opportunistic. Weeds germinate when the soil is not so good sometimes. And millions of weed seeds can exist in your soil. So most of the seeds do not germinate. Interesting. A lot of them are eaten by soil insects and microorganisms or just, you know, made dysfunctional. But the conditions are right. Weed infestation can begin. And I'll tell you, this year, the, the henbit, purplish flowers, it has been explosive. So has several of the other ones, too, the chickweed and the Persian speedwell. Those three I've noticed more so than anything else. I haven't seen that much of the annual bluegrass, but uh, the henbit, the chickweed, and the Persian speedwell. Chickweed has small white flowers. Persian speedwell has small blue flowers, and they're both pretty flat-growing. But anyway, let's start off the morning with uh, Darnell. Darnell, how are you? Hi, how are you? Very good. Uh, I um, seeded and fertilized my yard about a week and a half ago, and some of the seeds didn't germinate. Okay, I know I can't add any more fertilizer. Can I add more seeds? And the seeds I have came from a 50-pound sack that I kept in the house over the winter. And there's no drop-off in the potency of those seeds. Yeah, uh, why... How do you know the seeds didn't germinate? Did they? They haven't germinated. I oh. mean, there's bare, you know, in the bare ground. Uh huh. So you can just you know, see they, the seeds laying there. Then the temperature yeah. hasn't been right, correct, or the temperature hasn't been correctly, or correct for them to germinate. So that's what the oh, problem's been. Okay. So you can put some more seed down if you want to, but I'd go ahead and wait. It was a little bit premature to be putting the seed down, to be honest with you. The soil temperature was still pretty cold, even though, you know, I was recommending people putting the pre-emergent down and all that other stuff. It's, you know, just certain circumstances, exposure, your yard, your soil, and everything else. Uh, just the soil temperature wasn't correct for that seed to germinate. Oh, Okay. What about the seeds? I had a 50-pound sack I kept in the house. Right. Well, that should, the seeds should be fine. I mean, it should, it, the germination rate will be will drop simply by the fact that it's aged. What you can do is just take a wet paper towel and then put about 15 or 20 seeds and then fold the wet paper towel over and just you know, keep it damp and see how long and see how many of those seeds, let's say out of twenty or so, actually germinate. That's going to show you what kind of percentage you're really looking at. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Uh huh. And now let's head over to Roger. Hi, Roger. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I don't really have a gardening question, but <clears throat> over the years, my wife and I accumulated a lot of gardening books, flower books 
three books, and she passed away a year and a half or so ago, and I really don't need these anymore. I know you know a lot about all this subject matter, but if you have an interest in them or know a garden club or one of your listeners would like to have them, I would sure like to get them to somebody that could make some use out of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I personally, I don't need them. I've got pretty much, and with the Internet and everything else, I've got pretty much all the information. I shouldn't say all the information I need, but I have an adequate amount. I would probably maybe contact the Botanical Garden and see if there's somebody that they know that might want these historic things. And now I don't know what, t- you know, what neighborhood you live in. But I, I live had, up in North County in the Florissant area. Okay. Uh, I don't, in our neighborhood, there's quite a few of these where people have in their front yard a free library. Where, oh, I understand. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, I, I've actually taken some of my books and some books that I no longer use and put them in those free libraries. Mm-hmm. And then I've gone by, you know, a week or two later, and some of them have been taken. And then finally, you know, all of them have been taken away. So I see people stopping and dropping some books off and putting them in those, you know, those little cabinets or whatever you want to call them. And then sometimes people, you know, taking books out. So it's really kind of interesting. There's one right across the you know, street from us, and I get, you know, get to watch to, just to see how much goes on with that. It's really kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Would it be possible, and I, I don't know if you'd want to even do this, if I gave you my phone number, if one of your listeners wanted to call me, I could make arrangements for them to come by and pick them up? Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. but uh, I understand, and I, that's why I hesitated to even ask you that. Yeah, but uh, why, why don't you just go I'm ahead and do it? Around. I, I'll, I'll uh, search for local garden clubs and, and maybe call the botanical garden like you've suggested. Right, because Florissant has several garden clubs for sure. I would think so, yeah. I think probably in Old Town, Florissant, there, there's some folks that do that. And I do enjoy your show. Uh, I've heard you twice tell folks on how to get grass seed to grow where you had a stump ground out, and I've got the same problem that you've given the answer about, and I'm going to try it again this year to see if I can get grass to grow on that uh, bare ground where the tree stump used to be. Well, that's sounds- So I appreciate your help, and I thought, well, I'll – at least check with him. I know you know everything about this stuff, and uh, I thought you'd be a good guy to have it. <laughs> thank well, you so much for taking my call, and, and keep up the good work. Well, sure. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, just give us a call. Here's a couple. Here's one place. It's called Gardeners of Florissant. They meet the first Monday of each month at Florissant Valley Christian Church on North Highway 67. So there's, uh, let's see, I've got a list of garden clubs here. Uh, I'm sure they've got the Iris Society. Hmm. I can't go through the whole list now, but 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you do have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape or your house plants or whatever it happens to be. So I think there's a, a Florissant Iris Society for some reason. But anyway, I shouldn't go through this. I'm wasting time, though. But anyway, there was one that one that met, uh, you know, in Florissant. So let's see if I can one more here. Oh, no. Let's go now. <clears throat> oh, I don't know what this person's name is, but they're calling from... Calling from Fenton. Oh, she's she's right now. 
Hold on one second, folks. Getting this. Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm fine. Great. Go ahead. Uh, am I? I guess I'm on the air. Uh, I, I I have a plant that that is. Uh, I don't know what it's called. I we got it as a funeral plant. And it's got long, skinny leaves with a point, and they fall off as they get brown and land on the floor. Wow. And so um, it gro- it's grown up, but when we moved, we had uh, to leave it with a neighbor because we had a, a little over a month before we were able to get into our house. So one of... W- we we got a long thing that came up, but the original one is kind of curved and it's going towards a wall. So can I cut that off and continue to um, let the other part grow? You could you could certainly do that. I mean, I it's a little difficult for me to understand you know what you can do without actually seeing the plant or knowing what it is. Look at the. Just go online and look at a plant called Dracaena and see if that's what you have. Are the leaves that are long and narrow, Are they have? do they have any kind of like reddish markings on the margin or on the edge or anything like that? Um, or is it just green? It's mostly green, but there is a little little bit different on on one edge. Or, well, it might be on both. Yeah, so. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I would say it's probably a type of Dracaena. So just look online, and if it is a Dracaena, then, go, you know, check them out. But, yeah, if this, the one that's leaning is probably leaning towards more light because, you know, that no. particular plant. And it's not it, – it, it is – no, it was, but I turned it around because I got tired of getting it out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going towards the – wall now well maybe that's just because it's like uh feeling really sad because it really wants more light but anyway. <laughs> i don't think well it was doing this when we first uh when we got it after we left it with a neighbor oh. but um the other question that i had i'll try um looking that up is that we planted um our neighbor helped us plant uh, part of our uh, climbing rows that we had at the old house, mm-hmm. and two of them uh, have made it, and they're in our garden, and they really came up nice this year. But we put one away from the trellis and one by, right by the trellis. Can we move the other one? That's it's only like a year old. Uh, yeah, if you're going to do it, you better do it kind of quickly because you want to get it done. You know, before I mean. I'm sure they're already leafed out, correct? So in other yes. words, so yes, you better, they have leaves. yeah, you better do it really fast. In other words, within the next week or so, because if you wait too long, the root system may not get established, and it's going to get hot, and then the, you're, there could be problems as a result of that. Okay, okay. So we'll do it this next week. All right, sounds perfect. Thank you. Yes, appreciate your show. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. And folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Speaking of roses, if you haven't been out to do anything, if you did your mulching like you should for wintertime, now's the time to make sure that the mulch is pulled back away from the roses, whether they're shrub roses, whether there's hybrid teas, grandiflores, or climbing roses, or anything else. Just make sure you're going to do that. 
And the spring flowering shrubs are absolutely fantastic, the forsythia and everything else. And if you do need to do any pruning, wait till after they finish blooming and then prune them at that time. So in other words, what they're going to do is they don't care. They, they're not going to set the flower buds um, for the growth you know, for next spring until we get into fall. So that's why you want to sp- uh, prune the spring blooming stuff basically right after it flowers. Anything that blooms in the summertime, don't do any pruning to it at all unless you just don't care about the flowers. So like roses here and butterfly bushes and crepe myrtles. Well, the crepe myrtle doesn't really matter, but you should get it done. Get them pruned before they start doing any kind of active growth at all. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, either today or tomorrow, I'm going to move my tropical slash house plants outdoors. But be sure, and I'm going to do the same thing. Don't, regardless of what kind of plant it is, unless it might be a cactus, true cactus or succulent, don't put it in direct sun because it can get sunburnt really quick just within a day or two. With especially with the skies being as you know clear as they are right now, I mean it could really make some damage to your houseplant. Also, with your houseplants, as soon as you start seeing some growth, new growth or flowering, that's when you want to do the fertilizing. So let's head out to St. Peter's and see what's going on with Brian. Brian, how are you? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, had a question about caught my attention about the uh, Rosa Sharon. Do you? recommend pruning them back this will be the fourth season for it it's basically you just prune because you want to more so than anything else it does help them get a a little bit bushier if you want but beyond that the pruning they don't need pruning just for the overall health okay and uh, i have high uh hydrangeas and uh two of them will be their second season but last year uh, I was getting the brown leaves. Is that because of too much sun? Well, it all depends upon the variety, but for the most part, they really would like you know quite a bit of sun. So it could be just the fact that they didn't have enough root system established, so they could uptake enough moisture to prevent the you know sort of like the browning of the foliage. And that would be the same thing for my peonies. That it was the first year we planted them. Yeah, and anything that's within the first two years or so of planting, you should really prevent them from flowering because the flowering really takes a lot of energy away from the plant. And to help them get established, you deny yourself flowering, but uh, you know, consequently, you're going to have a better plant as a result of that. Well, thank you very much. I hope you have a great Easter. Yes, you do the very same thing. And, uh, yeah, with the peonies... Those peony eyes, you want to have those about an inch below the surface. If you plant them too deep, it's going to really interrupt the flowering cycle anyway. So just watch out about that. So let's head over to Granite City and see what's going on with Steve. Hi, Steve. Yes, morning, Mike. Morning. Um, I have some uh, hibiscus plants that were put in last fall when I did some landscaping. And uh, everything in the landscaping, the other plants I put in are really look like they're doing well and haven't been affected by frost. The hibiscus haven't done anything yet, and I was just wondering, should I cut them back uh, to 16, 15 inches, cut them down to the ground, and also 
what should I do about watering for those plants? Uh, just water as you normally would. We've had you know plenty of moisture, so I don't know if they needed any additional watering. And pruning-wise, there are several plants. I'm assuming this is like the disco bell or something with the big, huge, round flower. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. So consequently... Uh, there's lots of perennials, and even though this, you might think of this as a shrub, it's not truly a shrub, that are really not emerging from the wintertime yet. So I wouldn't be in too much of a worry about it. Okay. So is most of the new growth going to come from the bottom, or is it going to come out on some of the old stems? Well, some of them might come they're really dry, and, and you can just break them right off. Yeah, if that's the case, then for the most part, you know, with that particular plant, most of the new growth, just like with the perennials, the stuff mm-hmm. that's above ground is whew, no good, and so it's mm-hmm. going to emerge from the ground. Okay. So All you right. can cut those sticks off. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate the information, sure. and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, and the Disco Bell, that variety, the hibiscus, uh, they mm-hmm. really like a lot of moisture, so uh, just watch out. You don't if they're near something else. You don't want to water them to keep them like nice and moist, but also mm-hmm. drown something else that's nearby. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. All right. Okay. Bye bye. And now let's head out to Chesterfield and go into Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Um, I have this yard that I've I bought a house and we've been it almost a year. And it has this really amazing backyard that has perennials all over, and things are popping up, and I'm kind of feeling overwhelmed. So here's a couple of questions. I know I have Lenten roses. Uh, The green, the big green leaves and such, am I supposed to cut those all back? They've, you know, they're discolored. And the pretty flowers, the Lenten rose is just beautiful. It's just popping up all over the place. So what do I cut back on that? You don't cut anything. Basically, with the okay. Lenten rose, they're really considered an evergreen perennial. So if, I mean, if you have, a let's say, a fan of leaves or, you know, a cluster of leaves off one stem that is brown, you can cut that off entirely. But for the most part, they don't need any pruning at all. Okay, so like last year, things popped up and I let it um, well, the yard was overwhelmed. It was, you know, between leaves and dead things. So I cleaned a lot of things out. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know uh, the lantern rose. Are you supposed to cut those back at all? I, I wrote a, watched a video, and they just covered them and covered them with mulch. I didn't do anything. Yeah. And now this year I had to. So I just let those keep growing up like evergreens every year, and they just. It- yeah, exactly. If you want to put a little mulch around them, you can do that. But they don't, I mean, they're pretty tough and durable. They don't need too much. That's good because I can, I don't have a green thumb and I'm trying to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so then the, the next question I'm going on to is, if it's okay, it's Liriope. Do you, it's, uh, there's a lot of that in the yard um, because this is kind of a landscape, supposedly mater, the Botanical Gardens had done it years ago. It's, it's an older yard. So there's Liriope, and it has gone wild, and I've been digging it out by the roots, just to, trying to make it look better. My, someone said you're supposed to cut that back. Yeah, with with uh, a Liriope, depending upon the variety, and it doesn't really even matter which variety, there's one variety of Liriope that is spicata. That's the one that is spreading underneath the ground and is like the ground cover that they use in the Japanese garden at the botanical garden. 
And so that's basically a ground cover. Where the Liriope muscari variety, that's a clump grower. It doesn't spread beyond much, you know, just a little bit around the perimeter each year. But with each one, you can cut, you know, I've always tell people just if you've got a big stand of it, set your mower high and just mow it, you know, as we come out of wintertime or mow it, uh, you know, you know, at least right now, mow before uh, the new growth begins. Okay, yeah, I've got a big stand of it. The yard is, it's more perennials than it is yard in the back here. Uh, then uh, the other question is, everything's popping up here. I've got all kind of hostas and peonies and um, hydrangeas, and they left a bag of supplement, uh, um, mineral supplement, iron, 1-1. And I was wondering, am I supposed to be putting that in the yard, I mean, not the yard, into the flower bed there, and do I just sprinkle it like when you... If you see people do fertilizer, or do you work it in? And can it work with all these different things that well, I have? Sir, basically anything that's evergreen. So like the Lenten rose, you could certainly use it with that. If you have azaleas or, you know, hot, you know basically anything that lights in acidic soil probably is going to need this, you know, added to it. And I would just sprinkle it and then water it in. And okay. You, and you could probably do it with everything. It's not going to really hurt anything. The plants that don't need it or don't use it just won't absorb it. Okay. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I guess it's 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 um beautiful, but it's also overwhelming because they're all climbing over each other. <laughs> right. Yeah, it sounds a little okay. bit chaotic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it hopefully I'll make it make sense. Right. Soon. Okay, well thank you very much for your help. I love your show. Sure. Well thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I mean okay. When you inherit something like what you've described, also take a start looking at it. If it's like an overwhelming amount of plant material, if there are certain things you don't like, just take those out so the ones that you do like has a better space, you know, can, you know, I don't want to say invade, be more invasive, but uh, then you can just enjoy them more because they're not competing and overrunning each other. Like the liriope can really run in between everything. And it can kind of diminish whatever they're running into or around or anything. So just be really cautious of that. And, well, why don't we go ahead and take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head over to Anna's yard. Anna, how are you today? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing very well today. Great. Hey, I um, I inherited a flower pot uh, plot, excuse me, that has some rather dense soil in it. Um, I was thinking about uh, getting some mulch, uh, fine mulch, and kind of working that in. Do you, uh, does that work, or is there a better idea? Yeah, you add compost. Mulch is supposed to be a top dressing on top of the ground. Compost goes into the ground. Okay. So that's a better thing to do. I mean, it's just you could put the mulch in, but the problem with the mulch, even if it's been, you know, let's say done properly and everything else, if you put it down in the ground, it absorbs moisture. It also can bind up nutrients while it's breaking down, and it could take it, depending upon what type it is, 
several years to finally break down entirely. So it's going to be to the disadvantage of any kind of plant material that you would that's either there existing or that you would put in. Okay, thanks. And um, how early or how early can I plant genius seeds directly outside? Uh, probably I'd wait uh, till tomorrow. No, you could do it pretty soon, to be honest with you. So, I mean, we were just looking, uh, listening to the weather or whatever. And, I mean, it's going to be 70s for the, several days in a row. And I don't see any kind of temperatures going to get any worse. So, if are these zinnias that you've grown and collect seeds every year for several years? Yeah, that's what I do, Mike. Yeah, so basically I would say you could go ahead and do it now if you want to. Okay. And uh, that same garden plot that I was just asking, I took a bunch of uh, old March mulch off of that that was, uh, you know, some really big wood chip and bark. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I put that down someplace else, how long does that take to break down if I was trying to compost that? Uh, it takes a long, long time, depending upon what kind of, you know, wood it is or bark it is or whatever it happens to be. But, I mean, it could take several years depending upon the size and then the quality of the wood. Okay. So All right. it's going to be a while. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mike. You're always so helpful with your information. Well, Have great. a great day. My pleasure. And for everybody else, uh, we're just now getting out there. Maybe you have cut your grass or continue to or pruning any kind of plant materials. Make sure those blades on your mower or any kind of pruning, you know, shears, anything, are pretty sharp because if they're not sharp, you can fray actually where you're making the cut, whether it's a grass blade or, let's say, a twig from a rose or a stem from a rose or whatever it happens to be. And when that frays, that offers the opportunity for, let's say, bacteria, diseases, virus, and stuff like that to cause problems. So that's why you want to have your blades as sharp as you possibly can. And you say, well, how do you, you know, how do you do that? Well, if you don't know, take them to your favorite, let's say, hardware store or something like that for, like, hand tools. And for your mower, uh, just, uh, you know, you might be able to take it to, well, I don't know if you want to put your mower in your car or anything else. But just go online and they'll show you how to, you know, what to use and how to make your mower blade sharpen because it's going to make a big difference, especially here where we have such a problem with, you know, summertime diseases and bacteria and stuff like that. So let's go over to Arlene's house. Hi, Arlene. Uh, Hi. Uh, We've got a lawn mix with uh, some zoysia here and there uh, and... uh most of the grass is actively really growing now with weeds, of course, uh, but the zoysia is still mostly brown. Can I apply weed and feed now, or do I need to wait for that zoysia to turn green? Well, weed and feed kills broadleaf weeds. So, you know, any kind of grassy plant with a narrow blade, it's not going to impact that whatsoever. Oh, so I can just go ahead and it won't hurt it at all? Right, Exactly. And All probably, right. you know, what you can do, too, I don't know if, you know, if you like the zoys or anything else, but if you haven't raked it or if you haven't cut it down pretty close, I would do that while it's still brown. Okay, it is cut now. We just had it cut. Okay, good. And then just, you know, go out and, uh, I mean, you really don't have to do too much. As soon as you start seeing it green up, then you can start fertilizing it. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I've cut I my uh, you know, zoysia down. Uh, probably, I guess it's been, for the backyard, 
It's probably been on three or four weeks. And for the front yard, it's in its second week, and it's really starting to green up nicely. So it's, I'm going to start either fertilize this week or early next week. Well, early next week or the following week to get the first fertilizing. And then I fertilize my zoysia monthly all the way up until the last feeding early September. So, And I just I kind of use all kinds of different fertilizers. I don't get, you know, anyone specifically for zoysia. I just do a mixture, and that's just kind of the way I've always done it. If you want to be a purist, then you can get fertilizer for the zoysia specifically. But uh, I've had pretty good luck with just doing mixed varieties of things. Other things that you need to be, you know, thinking about besides, I was as I was talking about your equipment, is uh, guess what? The again, I'm going to mention, you know, the spring flowering things with your daffodils and tulips. They're spectacular right now, but as soon as they start, the flowers start finishing. Just cut the flowers off if you want. You don't even have to do that. But let the foliage stay as long as possible, all the way until it melts and turns completely brown. Then you can cut it off at that time. So that's going to be to the advantage of getting the bulbs to come back next year. The tulips are going to be iffy anyway. The daffodils, you should get multiple years out of them, not quite like if they were the old hybrids. But Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. If you have any questions, concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give us a call at 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And sp- and speaking of that, a lady called last hour, and the gentleman had all these books and he didn't know what to do with. She said you can take books to the local libraries and give them to the library, and then they'll. I don't know what they do with them. I guess they use them. So I didn't realize that, but uh, thanks to the caller who called and informed Alex, and then he told me about it. So anyway, Brian, cool. before you take off, sure. do you remember last week when I, we were talking about birds, and I said mm-hmm. there's a bird that looks like a robin that had regular, you know, everything mm-hmm. except it had a white head. Yeah. And uh, I figured out what it was. What? It's a robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. I went and started looking at, you know, photos mm-hmm. and everything else, but there's a, a, a I guess, a Audubon photographer or whatever. His name is Jeffrey Offerman, mm-hmm. and he had a picture of a robin, and, you know, with the regular, all the kinds of robins, you know, how on the internet, how they have all the pictures. Sure. But he had a picture of one that had a white head. Really? Maybe it's just an old robin. <laughs> and his hair turned white uh-huh. like mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was, I was yeah, surprised. Interesting. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, totally. You know, caught me completely by surprise. I thought it was yeah. going to be some kind of oddball thing. But, I, uh, yeah, I would have thought so, too. So not at all. I also noticed that uh, some of the goldfinches are really getting bright again. You know, in the winter, they're kind of all d- kind of dark. Right. Saw one yesterday that was quite bright. So all there's right. another sign of the coming spring. Thank goodness. Yes. Well, I guess <laughs> officially we are in spring. So just another sign of what spring is all about. <sighs> yeah. Yep. And I guess if it's going to get to 78, I'm going to have to get the deodorant out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad this is a big enough studio. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Brian. Yes, and thanks 
to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals. Those annuals, uh, just be careful about getting them because we might, still might have a little bit of coolness, but I wouldn't be overly concerned. I'd gotten some tropicals, some begonias and things like that, and I didn't cover them, but I did move them into the garage for the you know those two cool days that are going to come out uh, today. And uh, your bulbs with your daffodils, your tulips, your grape hyacinths, and everything else. The edibles, the lettuce, the lettuce. I mean, I have cyclamen and lettuce growing in the window boxes outside of our kitchen. They showed no signs of the cool weather whatsoever. So uh, just uh, you never know what's going to happen. Your houseplants, your lawn. Lawn's the most expensive thing probably in your landscape. So consequently, making mistakes sometimes can cause you a lot of mental and real money grief. Uh, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you to consider. Across the big board, that's Alex. He produces, and uh, he answers the phone as well. So when you call, Alex just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I spend my time and weekends, too, uh, doing landscape consultations. Today, I'm headed to Creve Corps, and then after Creve Corps, Back to Glendale. So it's a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and uh, my email address and phone number is there, and I'll come to your home and share 40-plus years of experience into the outdoors. Tip of the trial is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And it's a base, basically just a, a something, someone, whatever group situation that made an impression on me. And the tip of the trial goes out to Scott. Scott is the membership coordinator at the Y, this Y down by Crondelet. I guess it's, I don't know, is it Crondelet Recplex or something like that? But anyway, I called and um, was talking to him. And he actually recognized my voice. He apparently listens to the Garden Hotline. He said, you're Mike Miller, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I listen to your show all the time. But anyway, so he helped me with what I needed the information for. So anyway, he was just, uh, he's, this wasn't his job to answer the phone. It was just by chance that when I called, he answered and I got, he took care of everything that I needed. So uh, again, Scott is in the Cronolet Recplex, you know, kind of right off 55, right there, Cronolet Park and that whole area, but a membership coordinator. So a tip of the trial goes out to him. So I greatly appreciated his efforts. And uh, again, it's just unbelievable. The amount of work that people are doing in their yards. When I go out and take my walks, I mean, I see some yards that are absolutely just spectacular. And let's see. Where, maybe we'll take a couple of calls before we go to a break. Let's go over to Terry's yard. Terry, how are you? Hello, Terry. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question. I have a oak, pin oak tree. It's about 55 years old, and it's infested with uh, twig galls. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, probably about the last four years, I've been treating it with systemic drench. It doesn't seem to be helping that much. I make sure I get it there at the right time and the right amount. Right. Uh, is there any good product out there? I hear there might be an arbor jet, but I don't know if it's a proven yet for these, um, I guess they're a little wasp right. that sting at. 
Right. The female stings uh, and lays the eggs, and then when the eggs hatch, that causes that bloating gall. Yes. Uh, so I'd like to know, you know, what's your thoughts on how I could treat this? What would be the best thing to try to save this tree to keep it further from infestation? Uh, you know, these injections and things like that, I, you know, I just don't have a whole lot of, I get a lot of, you know, especially this time of year, I get emails, I get phone calls and everything else related to this. I've not really seen anything that really makes that much difference, to be honest with you. Now, there could be tree services that say, I don't know what I'm talking about, meaning me and everything else, but I just don't think anything's all that effective. These trees are huge, and to inject something into it and to make it transfer all the way up to the basically the top of the tree is going to be, you know, I think it's a waste of time personally, but... Uh, it's an unfortunate thing with the, these particular type of oaks, and mainly it's a red oak group. And unfortunately, it's always, you know, the older trees which start showing the major damage. And then to have the tree taken out or anything else is, is problems in its own way. So you could keep doing it if you want to, but I don't know of anything that's going to make that much difference. Okay. Uh, how about fertilizing it? Would that help anything? I mean, some of these... There's some limbs I had trimmed way up. There's some of these limbs are weighted down quite a bit with them. Right. So will that eventually here kill that tree? Well, basically what happens is the galls get so heavy and so many on one branch, it can cause some stress cracks or fractures, and then moisture from rain or snow or ice or something can get in there and cause problems that way. Then the gall in and of themselves are not killers but they cause problems that can lead to the decline of the tree just in general. Oh, okay. And then okay. fertilizing, basically fertilize your soil. So in other words, you auger holes and backfill the soil with compost. That's better than just, you know, getting a stake and, you know, driving it in the ground. So if you're going to do some tree fertilizing, you know, with, like I say, electric drill, earth auger, uh, six inches deep, backfill with compost, Start about halfway out from the trunk to the drip line. Do a concentric circle. Go out two feet, another circle, and another circle all the way out to just beyond the drip line. And you're feeding the soil. Then the soil is going to feed your tree. So you don't use any tree spikes in amongst their filling that with no, compost? No, they're really not. They don't. Again, it's a, something that uh, really doesn't do all that much good. Oh, Okay. Just a good brand of uh, quality of compost, exactly, uh, broken down right. organic compost. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for your comment. I appreciate it. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know ever. Like I always say, my opinions are not something that everybody needs to follow. But uh, in essence, uh, I just have not really seen over the years that much difference with all these different things related to the galls. So thanks, Terry. Good luck with that. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones. We're headed, and let's go over to Marsha's yard. Marsha, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Um, I have some hardy bananas that the frost hit the other day, and I want to know how far to cut them back. Uh, it's got like a foot coming out of the stalk of the plant, uh -huh. and it it looks like a burnt hot dog. 
Uh, anything that looks burnt like that, you might as well just cut it off. Okay. So should I cut below the stalk? Yeah, or, just go. Uh, yeah, probably. So how far was it coming up out of the ground? Uh, I cut it down uh, this fall like um, it's two foot tall. Okay. And then I uncovered it, and then it started growing, and there's probably a good foot of it that has started growing, and then it turned black. Yeah, I would probably cut it down just a couple inches below the black. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And obviously, you've grown bananas for a while. You know that that sap and juice will really stain your clothes. Yes. Yeah, I know. I have one shirt that I use for it. (laughs) (laughs) You're smart. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go and see what's going on with Gloria. Gloria, how are you today? Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I have, um, I might not pronounce this right, but they Azari, A-Z-A-E-A-Z-L-E-A-A. Azari, I don't know that plant. A-Z-A-L-E-A. Oh, Azalea. Is there okay? I had ten of them, and Ooh. they all just died. Whoa! And they have brown spots on them. I bought them last year, and I planted them, and they died. Do you know anything that I can get? They're not big ones. Some of the big ones died, and some of the little ones died because I was making a circle. And when the spring come, they all bloom. You know, together. Right. Well, azaleas have a tough time here. No, I mean, even at the Botanical Garden, when I worked in the English Woodland Garden, we had a lot of different varieties of azaleas, and a lot of them just don't survive with our crazy weather, whether it's super cold or anything else. So they are marginally hardy. I mean, there are some varieties that are hardier than others, but they just don't really like St. Louis all that much. I mean, you can see driving around and everything else, like quite a few that look pretty darn good, but there's been thousands that have not survived as a result of that. If well, I'd be out in Kerwood and all them guys, and they all look pretty. Yeah, but there's been a lot of them that have not survived oh, well, while those. Uh, okay. So, one I mean, more. you I can try know. it again. The soil preparation is extremely important. They have to be really super well-drained and, a, you know, an acidic-type soil, so that's important. But if you want to look at a plant that maybe you could use in place of that, it would be abelia, A-B-E-L-I-A. A-D-E-L-I-A? A-B, like Bob, A-B-E-L-I-A. Okay, A-B-E-L-I-A. Right, Uh just check. You know, go to your favorite garden center and ask them if they have any abelias. They're evergreen. They bloom for extended periods of time, and they seem to be tougher than what the azaleas are. Okay, no, Chuck. I think I must got a disease or something. I bought, <laughs> then I bought five gold hollies. Have you ever heard of them? No, no, I haven't. They gold hollies, and they die. They turn brown, and they die. Yeah, so the... Yeah, the holly, anytime you get a holly and you put some different colors into it, it's going to make it so it's, you know, again, not a really a good plant for this region. Oh, okay. I, uh, I'm going to see if Lowe's will take them back because there's too much money I lost. Yeah. I'm going to take them back. I'm going to wait till next, you know, a couple weeks or so and just tell them. But they don't. I took some plants back and they didn't say nothing. They took them back. 
All right. And I got so many of them. <laughs> but thank you. I'm not going to hold you up. Thank you very much for the information. You can have a good show. Sure. And, yeah, it's unfortunate where major companies like that, that's why I always, you know, I don't want to discourage people from going to big box stores, but local garden centers is going to be a little bit more in tune to what's, you know, the best for here rather than just massive big shipments of stuff. So, sorry, it sounds like you had, you made, like you said, a lot of purchases there and none of them have survived. So that's kind of sad. Let's head over to Linda's yard and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I want to ask about a geranium hanging basket that I kept over winter downstairs and in a sunny window. And the leaves are green. I've never done this before. Well, I've tried with geraniums like bare root and all that business, but they didn't work. But uh, the leaves are green, but they have, you know, like a little disfiguring to them, um, like little, looks like little dots on them, not brown, but just dots. So should I cut them all back, all those, or some of those green leaves, and let them, because they're obviously alive, sprout out again? Or what do I do with with the plants now? I would probably take it out, but don't put it in direct sun right now, even though it was in front of a sunny window. Put it in a part sun, part shade location, and wait until the new growth, next generation of foliage starts coming out. Then think about cutting off the one the leaves that are on there. But uh, if you want to get rid of them because they're spotted or whatever it happens to be. But uh, you want to leave the existing leaves you know, on the plant as long as you possibly can because that's how the new growth is going to happen. Because the flowers or the, I mean, the foliage is going to gather sun. It's going to use the nutrients and everything else to make chlorophyll. And then that's how the plant, you know, revives itself, puts out the next generation of growth slash, you know, flowers. Okay, should I try to put in some, you know, scrape up a little of the old potting soil and try to put some new? I use, like, miracle Grow with food in it. Or should I, what should I do as far as feeding them? Uh, probably, uh, you know, initially I wouldn't worry too much about feeding because the days are still short and you don't want to force growth yet. So wait for another you know, couple weeks towards the end of this month and then start feeding them or fertilizing them at that time. And I would probably pull them out of the pot you know, entirely if you can, shake some of the potting mix off, and then put them back in the same size pot with the new potting mix to, you know, to fill the gap that resulted from shading, shaking the plant. Oh, sure, I can do that. All right, thank you. Yeah, that worked with a tropical hibiscus tree that was, it's really old, and you told me to do that, and I do it, because it didn't bloom one year until August, and when I did that, kind of took it out of the pot because it comes out in one lump sum. Right. And put some new potting soil, you know, around it. Then it started blooming normally, like right. probably in April. So, yeah, that's great. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Have a great Easter. Well, same to you. And now let's head over to Derek's yard. Derek, how are you? Hi. How are you doing, Mike? Thanks Very for good. The show. Hey, uh, question for you. Trimming some fruit trees, I've got a pole saw, which doesn't exactly make a real clean cut on the branches, but I don't really uh, know of another way to get to them uh, and uh, to trim them properly. Uh, okay to go ahead and do it. Well, you know, by pruning them, you're cutting off, you know, potential flower slash fruit. So as long as you're aware of that, yeah, go ahead and get it done as soon as you possibly can because if you wait too much longer, then there's going to be all kinds of potential problems in that open wound that you made by the doing the pruning. Yes. Okay. And what about spraying for the first time? Uh, now a good time? Yeah. What Are you spraying for what? 
Uh, well, I don't know yet, but I also have bees, so I want to be careful of that. Yeah, exactly. So just be really cautious. Probably if I was going to spray anything, how much, how much has the foliage come out on the actually branches? Uh, it's starting to pop out pretty good. Okay, so I would probably go to your favorite garden center and get like a summer weight horticultural oil and spray with that. Okay. So if there's problems, you know, as a result, and during, if it was earlier, I would say, you know, spray a dormant oil, but I'd use a horticultural oil, you know, this time of year. All right, great. And uh, I use Old Spice deodorant. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, take care. <laughs> sure. Uh, let's see. Why don't we take a break and then we'll get to Mike when we come back. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have a cool season lawn, so in other words, a fescue or bluegrass, April is the last month that you want to fertilize. Because if you fertilize, well, if you did it very early May, I guess you could. But ideally, you're going to be doing it this month because you don't want to have a lot of active growth on your cool season lawn as it faces the summertime. That's where the real problem is. So just completely understand that. And uh, keep, keep track of the weeds. And also with the zoysia, this is where you're going to start making your first fertilization. And so the cool season lawns, you stop fertilizing. The warm season lawn, like zoysia, you basically, this is when you start fertilizing. So those are really important. If you are growing mums, you've been growing mums for years, and you like them nice and thick and bushy, wait until they're about four or five inches tall, then pinch them back about halfway, then let them get about six or eight inches, then pinch them back again. So, I mean, that's how you get them nice and thick. Let's head over to Ed's yard, and he lives in Belleville. Hi, Ed. Hello, Hello Ed. Yes. Uh, how do you get rid of uh, – good morning. Hi. How do you get rid of uh, uh, these wild onions in your yard? <laughs> uh, basically, they're a grass, so you can use a grass killer on them, but understand that if you get it you know, on – you know, on the lawn, it's going to kill around it. But there's nothing that's going to kill them specifically. So it's, I mean, they're a really a tough, you know, tough situation. If I was going to uh-huh. do it, how I do it, I don't know how many clumps you have of them, but I'd cut them off at about uh, three or four inches, and then I would take, uh, you know, an herbicide and just paint it right on it right after you cut. I see. Okay. What about uh, this uh, nutsedge uh, killer? Nutsedge? Nutsedge, yeah. yeah. Does that does that work? Oh yeah, like sedge ender. There's, I mean, they and it's the nice thing about that. It's so specific. It only goes after nutsedge or nutgrass and doesn't do damage to the other lawn or anything else or plants that are growing around. But just uh-huh. always read the label with any kind of herbicide that you're putting down, temperature wise and everything else. Because if you put it down, even though it's not supposed to do some damage. But the temperature is too warm, it could do some damage to plant material that you didn't anticipate. I see. Okay. Uh, Well, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, unfortunately with the onions, I mean, the people across the street from uh, me, they have a lot of onions in their yard. And, oh, man, they, they kind of, it's like my father's philosophy. 
If it's green, he didn't care, so we just mowed it as uh, it was just like grass. But anyway, thanks, Ed. And now let's go over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. Good. Hey, a couple quick questions. Um, is there any good way to get rid of, uh, some people call it poana or poan, um, you know, the grass? Yeah, that's an annual bluegrass, basically. Right. So the way to get rid of it is do the pre-emergent. And you do the pre-emergent for the cool season weeds like the hen bits and the chickweed and the you know the annual bluegrass. You do that in August. Okay. So okay, just like you put a pre-emergent down for crabgrass in the spring, you put that down in August. Right. Exactly. So that's one of the cool season you know annual weeds versus the warm season annual weeds. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, there and I guess there's no specific chemical that would just get rid of that not i mean nothing that's going to just target that specifically and not do some damage to other things that's growing around it like if you got a big stand of it then you could just kill all that off with an herbicide like a grass killer whatever you happen to choose and it wouldn't do you know damage i mean beyond that as long as you're really careful so you don't damage your real lawn but uh no there's nothing that can just go after that by itself Okay, uh, thanks. And second and last question, um, as far as periwinkle goes, the ground cover, uh, anything, you know, really you need to do other than maybe fertilize that once a month um, to, to keep it going well? Uh, pretty much not. I mean, it's pretty tough and durable. And do the fertilizing. I mean, as soon as you start to see the first flowering coming out, fertilize uh-huh. it you know, once then and then fertilize it twice more. And since it is evergreen, it likes a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Okay. Okay. Would, would, does like 10-10-10 work okay on that? Well, or? you're not going to get the iron and the other things with it. I mean, you could use that, but if you're going to do it, I wouldn't do consistently year in, year out. I'd get a fertilizer, again, for acid-loving plants every other year or something like that because you're going to get the sulfur you're going to get the iron and some of the nutrients that a triple 10 or triple 12 or whatever just don't have as a result of, you know, the way they're formulated. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see. Now let's go over to Michael's yard. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you this morning? Very good. Good. I'm in the process of expanding a patio, a paver patio. That are 18 by 18 squares, and I'm having trouble finding uh, local dealers that sell 18 by 18. Uh, do you have any recommendations as to where I might uh, search? Wow. So I, I'm assuming you looked at all the big box stores and stuff like that. They don't have anything that large? No, unfortunately they don't. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that... Uh, I I know that there are plenty of stone and uh, outdoor store specific in the area, but I don't know where they're at. Right. I was, uh, or what they're called. Yeah, I would say check online for you know put down the the size you want and put for the St. Louis area and see you know what comes up online. Okay. Fair enough. Like I said, I just uh, I'm 
getting frustrated trying to find the right size stone so that it doesn't look awkward when I get done, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I understand, but that's probably the best way to know which ones because you could go to any of them that are beyond the places you've already looked, and they may not have it either. This way you would find out who has that particular size specifically. Okay. I'll give it a shot. I've done I've done some research online and gotten a little frustrated with it, but uh, I'll, I'll do some more and see what happens. Yeah. I really appreciate your uh, guidance. Yeah. Um, again, put the size of the paver and then, you know, availability in the St. Louis region. Fair enough. I'll give it a shot. All Thanks, right. Mike. Have a great day. Sure. You do the very same thing. Now let's head over to yep. Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have a question. I would prefer not to use Roundup, but I haven't found anything that doesn't that is a vegetation killer that really works very well. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, you might try some of the organic product, products, but to me, you know, Roundup is this, you know, it's like I know they've had huge lawsuits against them and everything else because of people getting cancer, but the, the people that got the cancer were ones that were exposed to it a lot and maybe not quite as cautious as they should be. But anyway, uh-huh. no, I haven't really found anything that's going to work as quite as well as that yeah. does as far as killing universally lots of different things. I mean, I use specific you know, grass killers to kill grass in areas and bed spaces where I have broadleaf plants like perennials and things like that. And I use Weed Be Gone in other areas. But for just a universal herbicide, to me, it's the one that works the best. Okay, so Weed Be Gone works on weeds, and then there is a grass killer itself, like if I wanted to kill it out of my beds and right. stuff like that? yep. Okay, I'll look for that. Thank you very All much. Right. yep. Bye. And let's see, let's head over to Wayne's yard. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I've got a question about a bald cypress. It uh, grows at the edge of my pond and, and yard. I'm wondering about, it's got a lot of, knees growing and i'd like to keep the weeds out of that if i spray of course i know i can't get too close to the water but um if i use an herbicide is that going to hurt the tree if it gets on those knees no not at all herbicides basically have to hit uh foliage in other words they have to hit greenery so the knees you know that's not greenery that's for sure Okay, that's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure before I go spraying around, I don't want to kill a tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and for people that don't know what this, you know, he's talking about with knees, what it is is bald cypress. It's a native to swamp areas uh, tree and can grow in really, really, really wet circumstances, and it puts these knees up. So, in other words, the bark or the, the root system pushes up, and gets above the water line, and that's how it gets, you know, some air coming into the system because it's not able to get enough from above, let's say, the ground or above, you know, above ground growth. So that's what those knees are all about. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have mugo pines or some of the smaller pine trees, Start watching for sawflies. What they do is they eat the needles, and they they start right below the candles. And the candles on your pine trees are starting to elongate right now, so just be careful. 
And if you if you do have some uh, summer bulbs that you overwintered inside, you can get them ready to go into pots or into the ground real soon. The caladiums, the dahlias, the cannas, the elephant ears, with planting season for those. Even if it gets cool again, it's not going to make any difference because they're going to be below the surface initially. But watch out for those saw, you know, those saw flies. They can really do some major damage real quick. Let's head out now and go into Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Mike. Um, we have a, a large piece of property, 12 acres, and we, we want to start some landscaping, and I just don't even know where to begin. And I'm wondering, are there people out there that will develop a plan for you that you can execute as time goes by? And I know landscapers will do that, but I, we'd really like to just do it ourselves. Is there a... Um, a place where you can look up somebody like that. I've looked on Google. I get so confused. I just <laughs> wanted to pick your brain about this. Yeah, there are. You know, probably what I do is I'd call the uh, University of Illinois Extension Service and see who they may recommend. Okay. And the County Extension right. Service. That way, because I mean, people they know, you know people that are in general. I used to do something. You know, doing do that kind of stuff, but I got uh, too old and I don't do it anymore. <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I appreciate your your information, then. I just sure. need some guidance. Right. That's what we need. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye. And uh, let's see, okay. where should we go? Let's go over to Louisa's. Louisa, how are you? This is Leisha. Oh, Leisha. Sorry. Yes, that's all right. Um, we have some arborvitaes, and we had some shrubs planted on one side of uh, one of our big ones. And it's kind of a bare area. If we trim that shrub, will though will that fill in? The arborvitae it... fill in. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. So once All that right. once it loses the ability to produce, or it doesn't have the branches or twigs or whatever you want to call it in that particular area, it will never have that you know spot be able okay. to grow any in the future. Okay. Now. Isn't it common that right now they are shedding a lot of those dead um, needles and we don't need to be alarmed? It's not like it's dying, right? No, it's, that should be. Okay. They want to slough that off before they, you know, all the old stuff before they push, you know, push out the new growth. Okay. Okay. One more question. Um, you, someone might have asked, and I missed it, but houseplants, when can they go out? Uh, you can get them outside right now. Uh, basically, okay. but don't put them in direct sun. I don't care what type right. they are or anything else. Put them in part shade for a couple of weeks, then move them okay. to the ones that want to have direct sun. Okay, awesome. All right, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And for folks that are driving along the highway and wondering what the, you know, along the rocky outcroppings and everything else, the f- trees with white flowers on them, what they are are Bradford pears. This is why the Bradford pear is not sold anymore. Bradford pears, they're spectacular. I mean, there's plenty of them still in the cities and everything else, but they've produced a small fruit, and the birds eat the fruits, and then consequently when the birds, let's say, fly over an area, go to the bathroom, drop that seed from where they ate, and consequently that's what the Bradford pears, that's how they got where they are. So it's not anything native. It's considered a very invasive circumstance, so consequently, those trees are not even being sold anymore for that very reason. So some of the varieties do not produce the fruits. 
that are available at the, at the garden centers, retail situations. But that's what you're seeing along the highways. It's kind. It's not nearly quite as invasive as what the, let's say, the honeysuckle, which has moved, you know, across multiple states. But this, you know, has the potential of being problematic, and you know, in its own way. So just realize that if you like the Bradford pears, just enjoy them where you see them, and uh, just go to your favorite garden center and ask them what alternative is there to the Bradford pears. There's even other trees that don't quite look as good, don't quite get as big as the Bradford pear, like Yoshino cherries. They're going to be white flowering trees as well, but that's all over the place. You're going to see those things blooming, and uh, so consequently. That's uh, that's not really all that good. If you start seeing some kind of slimy stuff on some of your leaves, and especially you know plants that are in the sh- more shaded, protected areas, then you probably got slugs or snails. They don't seem, you know, I don't seem to see as many snails as I do slugs. There's lots of slugs, and so then you should head to your favorite garden center and get some slug bait and try to get rid of the slugs that way. There's all kinds of stuff to be done in the outdoors, oh, and it's so spectacular. I mean, this the magnolias this year, they have never, ever, ever been better than what they have been this year. And I'm sorry to see some of the saucer magnolias are starting to drop their, you know, their petals. But boy, oh boy, a couple of weeks of those guys has been nothing but spectacular. And I want to remind everybody and to tell everybody to have a great Easter and have some fun because... Easter is what it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a religious holiday, but it's also fun. And that's what it's all about, having fun. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.